Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to 45. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus helped, healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, good to see you. My name is Paul, if we've not met um, or spoken. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. We're going to take a look at that passage in just a moment. One, I lead us in prayer as we begin and do so. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help of your Holy Spirit that you would enliven our hearts, you'd open our eyes to see you afresh, perhaps see you in ways we haven't uh, before uh, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, Pete was saying that uh, we're, we're kind of, as, as this um, uh, experience of Jesus that people have uh, begins to uh, kind of get out, the news is told, and um, uh, word gets around, uh, what you actually start to see is the impact of that in this um, passage here. And I think it might resonate with us. In many ways, it's really a passage about celebrity uh, and about uh, Jesus, the sort of growing news uh, about Jesus, about the sort of fame that was spreading. Um, If you have seen any news um, at all in the past week or so, you'll know celebrity is a huge issue at the moment. If you've spent any time in any churches over the past few years, you'll know that celebrity culture is actually quite an issue within the church um, as well. Um, we're going to think about three things this morning. It's quite a key problem of our time. We're going to think about the problem of celebrity, and then we're going to think about what Jesus is doing here, and we're going to think about Jesus' response to celebrity, 
And then we'll think about the deeper remedy uh, to celebrity, um, which I think comes out through this. The problem of celebrity, Jesus' response to celebrity, and the deeper um, uh, remedy for celebrity. And there is a, a, a writer called Caitlin Beatty. She's an American. Um, she's a journalist, Christian journalist and, um, and writer. Uh, she's published a book called Celebrities for Jesus, which is looking at and reflecting on some of the issues that have been around in the church recently, um, where celebrity culture has become sort of quite a big thing in the church, uh, particularly, I guess, in the West, certainly in America and in parts of the, uh, the UK, the kind of... Um, uh, the issues that have surrounded celebrities and then, I guess, the fall of celebrities in different ways. Um, there was a, a, a podcast that she did, which um, I'm going to play us a little clip of in just a moment. Um, she's just reflecting on the issues of celebrity and, and that sort of sense of uh, what happens and why it seems to happen. And I found it quite engaging. I thought I'd just share a minute or so of it with you. And she's putting her finger on something, which we'll talk about in just a second. But this is a short clip of her speaking about celebrity culture in the church. Of the headlines we read about celebrity Christian leaders are bad, bad headlines. It, it's, it, it can't be coincidental that the people we're reading about have had, enjoyed massive platforms and success. Uh, is there something about celebrity that shields people from accountability? Is there something about celebrity that lures people away from maybe an initial, initially good motive or impulse? Is there something about um, celebrity that is, mm, that is seductive mm. that then allows a leader to think, well, I can, I can get away with this or I can do this because I'm, I'm just that big and important and central to what we're doing in this church or organization. Um, but two in the book is is an argument for readers to say this isn't just a leaders out there behaving badly problem. <laughs> it is that, you know, it, it is an individual heart problem. It is a problem with unhealthy church cultures or unhealthy organizational cultures. But how have we all potentially fed the celebrity problem? Because it wouldn't exist, you know, the problem wouldn't exist without us. People aren't put on pedestals and less a, a community um, a buying readership, uh, you know, some kind of public chooses to treat them as celebrities, to put them on that pedestal. Um, it's interesting. She's talking about that, the kind of celebrity culture. And if, for those of you kind of uh, wondering where the sermon is going, um, that might have piqued your interest. It's a very interesting podcast. She's talking about it, and she's really identifying that there are kind of two sides to every story. So there are celebrities, and there are celebrities who feed off a platform, and there's been a, plenty of examples of that uh, inside the church, outside the church in recent uh, years. Celebrities who kind of feed off the platform, feed off the people, um, but she puts her finger on the fact that is, there's always two sides to that. And there is another dimension, which is that we people feed celebrity culture, and both happen at the same time. We feed that celebrity culture. We go looking for and put people on uh, pedestals. We go looking for it. We kind of, uh, and, and interestingly, because she's coming from that kind of world, uh, she's, she talks about the ways in which our publishing industries and our media industries obviously naturally feed that. We, we kind of invest in uh, and buy the books of and so on, and we create this culture. And there's a, there's a sort of double dynamic going on at the same time. 
And it's something that comes out. You can all, if, you, if you have eyes to see it, you can see what's going on here in Mark's gospel. Because as Jesus' fame begins to spread, you get both of these things happening. The people start, we're always, it's almost like we, we can't help but go looking for that kind of celebrity culture. So as soon as uh, Simon's mother-in-law has been healed, um, as uh, Pete was talking about just a moment ago, the fever leaves her. Verse 31, she begins to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door. And you can imagine the kind of just that instinct. The, The word has got out, so everybody comes looking for this new celebrity figure. This new person uh, in town. Jesus heals many and, uh, uh, of their various diseases. He drives out demons. But he doesn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And there's, a, there's an interesting tension that runs through this as Jesus actually says, closes down these demons and says, don't speak about me. Don't spread uh, my name abroad at this point. There's an interesting tension. But as it goes on, very, uh, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus gets up and he's gone off uh, by himself. They go looking for him, uh, verse 36. They, 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 Simon and his companions, they're searching around. Where is he? He's the main man. Where are you, Jesus? And they come to him and they say, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. And I don't know if you read this, and perhaps sometimes I think when we read the uh, New Testament in this way, you can go look back and go, well, look, well, they were so quaint, and they were so simple. And of course they did. They had no idea. You know, so of course they just flocked because they were so you know, uh, ordinary, ordinary peasant folk. But you see, it's actually the same kind of impulse that feeds a celebrity culture, that instinctively goes looking for the new big thing and wants to know and wants to kind of uh, endorse it. And I wonder, just as, as looking at the news, the news this week has been full of this. As we've looked back, if you're, if, particularly if you're of any age, sort of, I don't know, uh, enough to look back at the late 90s or the 2000s. There's been a lot of soul-searching going on in the news this week, looking back uh, about a decade or two, kind of going, what on earth was going on then? What kind of culture were we feeding what kind of uh, uh, celebrities were we trying to build up? What were we sort of putting our uh, investment into? What, uh, what was going on in us that we didn't seem to recognize what was going on then, that we now look back and go, hmm, was there a strange kind of celebrity culture that gripped us? Our tendency to feed celebrity... It's something that I think Mark is very aware of. And it's as if he's wanting to say to us that we, it means we have to be careful who we are following. The people all crowd around and they go looking. Who exactly are we following? And what Mark wants to show us, I think, is why Jesus is worth following and actually why he's quite different to celebrity figures we might think of. Why Jesus is different, why he is, in many ways, Jesus is the anti-celebrity. Uh, he's not like the kind of celebrities that we, uh, we have sort of run into both outside the church and inside the church. Jesus is different to them. And so we'll look at, uh, secondly, his, if that's the problem of celebrity, that we, we almost can't help but feed this culture and we'll attach to anyone. Mark is wanting to show us why Jesus is different. And the, the first thing that he kind of draws out is Jesus' response to celebrity is actually very different to what we might expect. It's, it's a response of humility. Um, so actually, what Jesus does, as he goes to this, he's really not looking for the attention of the crowds. 
Jesus has come with a particular purpose in mind, and he's not looking to sort of fan the flames of celebrity uh, as he goes around. In fact, he does, he does his best to try and get away from it. Now, Tim spoke last week about the, the, where the people were at this point in time, and that they were at a very low point in their history. There's a lot of hopelessness around, conquered by the Romans, um, uh, sort of struggling as a, as a people, their sort of sense of national identity, much lower than it had been. And so you can understand in a way why they were keen to, to find the next new big thing, the next leader who might perhaps lead them out of the, 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 the kind of the trough that they are in as a people. And again, you see that in the news. We go looking for the next person who's going who's to sort out our problems for us. And you can understand why. But Jesus is actually trying to put a distance between himself and that kind of um, fervor, particularly those who were, who were hoping that they would find in him uh, a leader to, to sort of sort out the Romans, uh, to deal with occupation, to lead them sort of triumphantly out of the situation they're in. And as they sort of place their own... Uh, desires and hopes onto Jesus. He puts a distance between himself. Actually, he says, I've come to serve a much higher purpose than that, and one that I need to stay focused on. So you see, it's, it's remarkable, and people often note, in verse 35, where he says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus is not interested in entertaining the crowds and trying to sort of fan the flame of messianic fervor. In fact, the opposite. He says, what I need to do is get away and be with my Father, to pray, to reflect. Actually, I need, the last thing I need at this point is the adulation of the crowds and all of their hopes and, and desires projected onto me. But he also moves away from that, uh, that, sort of, that kind of sense of, of what they might be after, um, in verse, uh, a little bit further on, verse 38, so he says, let us go somewhere else. When they come and find him and say, everyone is looking for you, he says, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. And so he travels through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. He has in view very clearly the purpose for which he is here. Uh, we've seen it over the past couple of weeks, the purpose to, to proclaim this message of a new arrival uh, a fresh start with God, uh, a call to repent and believe that the kingdom of God is near. He knows that that's his purpose. So he doesn't want to stay and, and kind of draw on the adulation of the crowds. He knows his purpose is to move from place to place, that that message that he has is more important than any one rally or any one great uh, uh, kind of crowd that he might garner um, and, and whip up. He has good news, news of hope we thought about last week news of change, and it's more important that that message is communicated around the region than he fans the flames uh, of the crowds that are there. He's not interested in cultivating a brand. He's not, sort of, he's not trying to, uh, to, to sort of, you know, uh, begin a podcast series of his own. There is actually a humility in what Jesus is trying to do. And I guess you probably would have uh, spotted that and read that and thought, yeah, I could, I could have figured that out, Paul. <laughs> You're not telling me much I don't know. Um, Jesus' response to celebrity, kind of he moves away from the crowds. I get that. And that is part of his response. But I think there is a deeper remedy to celebrity that we see. And it comes in the final um, section that we have with um, uh, the man with leprosy. And there are some curiosities in that, um, that encounter that just help, I think, tease out 
why even that sense of humility and his, uh, uh, is not quite enough in itself to see Jesus' response to uh, celebrity. The deeper remedy, third of our points, is really the sacrifice that he's willing to make and that he came to make on our behalf. Let me read that um, incident with the, uh, the man with um, leprosy. came to him uh, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, what is going on here? The first thing you might have noticed is Jesus, when this man comes, is indignant at his cross. Now, why is he cross? Well, most likely, it's that response he has as the the Son of God walks on earth to the the ravages of sin, uh, even the demonic forces, perhaps, that lie behind it. His indignant, his his kind of gut response against the the, the situation that he sees in our sort of sinful, broken world. He has that kind of response to the man. But yet then he, uh, he heals him. He reaches out his hand. He touches the man, says, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the, uh, the leprosy leaves him and he's cleansed. And then Jesus says something else, which is just as strange. He then sends him away with a very strong warning, telling him not to tell anyone. Now, why does he do that? Well, it seems that he knows the only reason I guess it can be there is that he knows that the man will talk. There is this chatter around about Jesus. He seems to know that the man will talk. He, see, he says to him, look, you really shouldn't say anything. You need to go to the priest and offer yourself there. That's all you should do. But of course, verse 45, instead, the man goes out and begins to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, what happens then is that Jesus has worked for this man. He's, he's already healed him. He's already said, look, I I will do this for you. Uh, He's charged him not to say anything, but it's not worked. And presumably Jesus knows that it won't work. But I wonder if you can see what goes on then at that point. The man then, what does the man get? He gets healing. He's restored in his community. A lot of what Jesus is saying about go to the priest is actually about restoring the man to community. Uh, He was to go there because then the priest would sort of sign him off and say, yes, you're welcome to come back in society. So the man gets restored community. The man gets healing. What does Jesus get? Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Now that's quite an exchange for Jesus at this point. Jesus now can't go anywhere openly. There's too many people that will flock to him. Actually, he's in the lonely places. The man got community. The man got restored relationship. Jesus gets isolation. And it's that, I think, that is underneath what is Jesus' response here. The deeper, the deeper remedy, if you like, to, to the celebrity that he knows we're very prone to is to say, actually, what you need from me is 
sacrifice, not me as your celebrity. Jesus is working for the man's goods, healing him, and he does it bearing the cost himself. In fact, it makes his, his ministry much harder. If you look at it through that lens, you can say, well, this has really hampered what he is trying to do now. He can't actually travel as easily to those places. He can't proclaim uh, the good news, the message that he's got as easily. But that is the way that Jesus works. It's a little picture, if you like, of exactly what he has come to do at the cross, ultimately. He says, look, your good is what I will work for, and I will bear the cost of it. I will take the hit, if you like. And it's not just, it's not just a kind of uh, a, a humble response. Actually, it's a much deeper response to that. It's a much deeper response that says, I will absorb, I will take the hit, I will, I, will, I will bear the cost of healing you, and that exchange will be all your way. And I think this, uh, in terms of what we kind of, what do we reflect on this morning as we gather around the Lord's table, We've set uh, the table for uh, Holy Communion together. As we do that, actually, it's a great moment to reflect and ponder what it is that Jesus is doing for us here. And I think it's one of the things that, um, when I played that clip from uh, Caitlin Beattie at at the start, it's just one of the things that she highlights so well and I think is reflected on so well, which is actually that, that tendency that we have to go looking for celebrities and that Unfortunately, sadly, both in society and in the church, we have found celebrities who have fed off that culture. So celebrities have looked to sort of look at the crowds and say, I will feed off you, I will gain from you. And Jesus is the opposite of that. Jesus is the one who says, no, I won't feed, feed off you. I will give to you and I will bear the cost of it. It will work that way. He is, if you like, the anti-celebrity in that, in that sense. And as we gather around and share bread and wine, that is, that is a picture of what he has done for us. In dying on the cross, he has said, it's not that I'm going to feed off you. I will give to you. I will feed you with myself. See, that's the way it works. Now, what do you do uh, with that? I just wonder if, uh, if as we kind of go into the rest of this week, it's something just to ponder and reflect on, is perhaps to recognize our own tendency to put celebrities on pedestals and to see what's happening when, that, when we do that. And particularly, I guess, gathered in a church like we are, to reflect on the way in which we put Christian celebrities on pedestals. I imagine you have your favorite authors, your favorite podcasters, your favorite go-to people, and it is very hard, and I have them too, it is very hard not to put them on a pedestal and to think, I need to, you know, I, inadvertently, I feed their platform. That's where I'm looking to. They all help me, and uh, my hope is in them. And actually, the danger of that and, and the message of that from here, from Mark, is actually Jesus works the other way. He's not a celebrity who feeds off you. He is a celebrity who gives to you at his cost. And if you are trying to figure out a church this time of year, people are often trying to figure out what church to attend. Um, and if, as, as a ch- if you're a church member here, I just, for us to, to be sensitive to that issue, I think. If you're looking for a church, to be sensitive to it. 
It matters what the focus is and who the focus is. And do we come away from being together as a church family more impressed with who Jesus is or more impressed with something else? Do we come away thinking, gosh, isn't he great? That's part of why we gather on a Sunday morning together. So don't put your faith in celebrity. Even Christian celebrity where they feed off us, the crowds. Actually, we need one, we need the one who is the one who feeds us from himself. Why don't we pray as we turn towards the Lord's table. Heavenly Father, we pray for your, uh, just your work in us. Uh, Lord, we live in a funny age full of celebrities and celebrity culture, and we know it has found its way into the church as well as the, the world And Lord, it's a reminder that you work so differently in your son and that he came to give to us, not feed from us. And we pray as we just gather around the Lord's table now, it'd be something that we are reminded of tangibly as we share bread and wine together and we reflect on who you are and what you've done. Amen.